This podcast was recorded on Wajak Noongar country. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land and pay our deepest respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Thank you. Written by Andrea K. Knight. Last time on Witchery, Lassie is unable to get the truth from her aunt and uncle, and in a moment of youthful rebellion, decides to go out for the night. Her aunt and uncle exchanged loaded glances, and Lassie's heart crashed into her boots. All right, what else is real? What else haven't you told me? Lassie folded her arms, looking at her guardians expectantly. After receiving nothing, after a long moment, she shuffled and grabbed the card. Screw this right up the arse. Shaking her head, Lessie threw her hands up. Okay, I can't do this. Not here. I'm going to hang out with Ashika. I need some damn space. I'll be back before midnight. And the club that Ashika took them to has a rather divine host. Lessie, what's happening? asked a befuddled Luca. We're being brought to meet the host, replied Lessie, meeting the man's gaze carefully. She felt like she'd fallen into a tiger cage at the zoo and had caught the inhabitants' attention. She knows who I am, he said, grinning broadly. Good! Wine! Give them wine! For the sake of, well, me. Luca was looking confused and the man sighed. Really? Kids these days. I'm Dionysus. You may have heard of me. And now, episode four, The Temple. Lessie stared at the painfully beautiful god across from them with some shock, her mind still getting used to the fact that gods were real enough to meet in person. Ah, Luca nodded. I have. In my defence, that wine your dancers gave is freaking insane. Another goblet was then slid in front of him. Oh, that was the Kaikion. It'll fade in an hour or two, said Dionysus with a knowing smile. Lessie's eyes widened. You drugged us. The god dared to look innocent. A courtesy for all who meet me. You must be initiated beforehand. Wait, what's Kaikion? How are we initiated? asked Luca. Kaikion is a traditional drink they used to make in the very old days in Greece, said Lessie, nodding her head. In some recipes, it was hallucinogenic, and we've just drunk some. Oh no, his eyes went wide with fear. Dionysus gazed at Luca indulgently. These days, anyone can walk into a Judeo-Christian church and talk to a singular god. Eli, we'll call him, since he's so coy about his actual name. His sacred texts are as common as dirt, left in hotel rooms as travel amenities. Like toilet paper and shampoo, he chuckled and sipped some wine from an elaborate goblet. (laughs) We Greek gods are different, different from Eli and different from each other. 
Our specific festivals and rituals are called mysteries, and only the most devoted of followers get to revel with their god face to face. Aphrodite didn't bother with initiation, said Luca, eyes narrowed. Yes, my darling Aphrodite is quite happy to live in the world of mortals as it is. Talk to anybody and everybody. It's her charm. I like to create a sense of ceremony myself. Call me an old romantic. Anyway, he looked directly at Lessie. You and your lovely friend Ashika are now my honorary maynads. That's what I call my mortal followers. He then looked at Luca. But you? Luca lifted his brow. Me? Dionysus smiled broadly. You aren't quite human, are you? Luca squirmed awkwardly, his movements slowed by the wine. I guess not. You're bonded with an animal spirit, so you're mine now. When Luca looked alarmed, Dionysus patted his hand. Relax. I'll take very good care of you. Lessie frowned. Wait, back to the Maynard thing. Why only honorary? Well, you'd need to go through the full mysteries to become an actual full-fledged Maynard. It's very involved and complex and lengthy, said Dionysus. Let me guess, they involve drinking, porking and dancing like a lunatic, she asked. Dionysus blinked and then smiled broadly, looking impressed. Dear me, that's a tongue on you. Do you kiss your mother with that mouth? Lessie was unimpressed. You're a god. You know my mother's dead. Oh yes, said Dionysus, nodding. Alive, dead. It's all a bit same-same to me. She buried the pang of pain his glib reply had evoked and sighed deeply. I realise resurrection is your gig and all, and that the state of mortals is of little consequence to you, but I respectfully request that you use a little more care and respect when talking about my deceased loved ones. It's of huge consequence to me, said Dionysus. Goodness me, Alessandra. Who am I supposed to party with if the mortals are all dead? Or some are dead, and the others are too sad to dance and sing? The wine left undrunk. Dear girl, my apologies. I let my eternal perspective steal me of my manners. It doesn't matter, she said. Look, you're the second god that summoned me today, and I'm getting pretty bloody freaked out. Why am I here? Dionysus chuckled. The revelers about him, his maynads, draped about the booth, some hands wandering his shirt and chest. <laughs> I wanted to know what my darling Aphrodite was up to, he said. She's not been up to much other than her usual business, and suddenly she's contacting a mortal. I'm a devotee, actually, said Lessie. I can see that, he said. Soft, lovely, all curves and charm, but with a bite. Lessie's eyes widened and she blushed deeply. Nobody had ever described her like that before. What I'm dying to know is what she wants with you. Lessie shrugged. How am I supposed to know? Nobody's telling me anything today, not even my own friggin' family. Oh no, said Dionysus, chuckling. <laughs> I wasn't asking you. I just had to see you. And? He took in a deep breath, gazing at her intently. You are a very useful little thing that I'd snatch up for myself if I didn't know how angry it would make Aphrodite. I'm not a thing, thank you, she said. He laughed again. <laughs> no, no easy labels for you, dear. Not day or night, white or black, up or down. You're an anomaly that shouldn't be and hasn't been for a very long time. I can't believe you've made it in the world this long without being stolen away. Lessie just frowned, fear and confusion mounting in her. She had a feeling this had something to do with what her aunt and uncle didn't want to tell her. What are you going on about? 
Why would anyone steal me? Dionysus took a long breath in, arching his fingers. No, my cupcake, I shan't tell you. It's not my place to. Again, I would rather not fall afoul of Aphrodite. She has plans and I'm not about to mess with that. He waved a hand. Regardless, the night is young. I am not. My maenads, my initiates, they will dance into the night until it turns sapphire from the approaching dawn. Will you join us in some delicious orgies? You will be safe and loved with me. Luca grew tense, grabbing onto Lessie's arm. It was quite a feat considering the heady hallucinogenics in their systems. Yeah, no thanks, said Lessie, lifting her hands. It's a kind offer and you're totally hot. And I know boning you would be a definite highlight of my life so far. But this day has been far too weird already. I think I'm over the club. She looked to Luca. I want a kebab. I want a lager. I want to watch Bob Ross videos while hugging you on a couch. And I want to forget I exist for a while. She winced. Apparently the hallucinogenic was also a lubricant for the truth. Luca nodded and got carefully to his feet, arm around Lessie. Dionysus smiled. I'll be seeing you again, Luca, said Dionysus in a tone that was both warm and dominating. Sooner or later, and it will be a joyous thing, I promise. Okay, why am I scared, he asked. I have no idea, said Dionysus. Too much mortal left in your heart, perhaps. Good, said Luca, chin forward. I'm taking Lissy away, and I like you, but dude, I do not trust you. The wine god's eyes gleamed brightly. You are a clever one, aren't you? The tension between the god and Luca had reached a point Lessie could no longer tolerate. She shrugged off Luca and lifted her hands again. Okay, everybody, chill the hell out. She looked between Luca and Dionysus. Why are you angry at Dionysus? He doesn't seem to have any ulterior motives other than shagging our brains out. That you know of, said Luca. You know what the gods are like. A tense grin danced across her face. Yes, Luca, and I know not to piss them off or offend them. No offence taken, far from it, said Dionysus. I find his caution and chivalry quite charming. Beautiful, sighed Lessie. In that case, thank you for your hospitality, but that Kaikion has done me in for the night, I'm afraid. I'm going to go now and sleep this shit off. The room dragged by like a delayed streaming video as she got to her feet, and she peered at the direction of the door in the hopes of orientating herself. Dionysus' voice called after her, like a distant pipe on a morning breeze, plaintive and hypnotic. Good night, Alessandra, he said. Child of love and defiance. Now wasn't the time to try to understand his weird compliments. God's never said anything with one meaning, somehow. She knew that instinctively. All the books she read backed up the basal knowledge firing in her mind and soul in that moment like fireworks at a parade. She felt, deep in her bones, that this wasn't over, that Dionysus was not going to let her walk away without marking her or claiming some part of her soul. If not today, then another day. He was a lover of Aphrodite, the male chthonic. Death to her life, lust to her love, animal to her deep humanity. There could be no Aphrodite without the madness she inspired, and that madness was Dionysus' domain. His beauty and roughness clung to her spirit like a tannic red wine in the mouth after a night of drinking. She could hear Luca behind her as she stomped forward with determination. She hoped the Kaikion would be out of her system soon. It wasn't unpleasant, but she hadn't planned for it. She was finally away from the booth, 
the savage strength of Dionysus' focus shifting from her. At that moment, she remembered Ashika. She turned to Luca. We need to find my friend. Luca nodded. I'll sniff her out. You can do that, she asked. Yeah, he nodded. I think so. She peered at him. Colours shifted with the flashing lights that spilled between them from the dance floor. Patches of tingling, shifting reality, like a visual migraine aura gone horribly wrong, or right, crawled across a field of vision and encroached upon Luca's face. His eyes went strange. They were yellow, amber, large and round like moons, dark lips and playful spots, something animal that she couldn't place. Every time she blinked her eyes, he was back to his regular human self, but the hallucinations crept back again, persistent, screaming at her something that she felt she should understand but couldn't bring together in her scattered mind. His hand tugged gently at hers as they wove through the revelers. The people around them were white like snow, brown like walnuts, olive and tawny like oaks, like spruces, like winding ivy. She needed the ivy. Ashika was the ivy. Luca pulled Lessie toward her. Ashika was swaying in the centre of a knot of dancers, blue light spilling on her long boned features. She was a dancing warrior, her clothes shining like silver, a burning red spot on her forehead that cleared the air around her. Her dark eyes fell upon Luca and Lessie and she grinned with delight. This place is the fucking bomb, Lessie! She shouted. Lessie gave her a thumbs up, then motioned towards the door. Ashika's expression twisted to a frown. No, I want to get laid. Lessie shook her head and pointed to the door again. She knew if she left, Ashika would follow, even for a moment before rejoining the writhing mass inside. She turned and ploughed on through the sensory sludge, not merely sight and smell and sound and sensation, but her higher senses. Normally those higher senses needed concentration and effort to utilise, but the Kaikion had blurred the lines between what was considered real and provable and everything that wasn't. There were old creatures here, old spirits and new flowers and an immense vine bulging with fruit, sun-warmed grapes with intoxicating flesh that she could lose herself in forever if she gave herself the permission. It reached the sky and touched the stars. It plumbed the depths of the earth, embracing the deepest fires of the mantle beneath. Memories that were not her own streaked through her mind like shooting stars. Wild, dancing, naked bodies, blood and meat and bread. And through it all, herself, known and safe, burning away as she pushed through the crush, escaping but leaving something precious behind. Her muddled mind took her down the wrong passageway and finding a glowing green exit sign, she followed it in her swirling vision, holding onto Luca's hand with everything she had. She could hear Ashika calling her. She was following them. If the crush was death and madness, bursting out of the relatively mundane fire door was a sudden and desperate rebirth. She took in the breaths of cold, raw air, tainted with car exhaust, but clear of spices, oils and resinous smoke. No half-used air in humid bodies, just the clear stillness of the sky and the distant sound of traffic. The ground was wet from a tipped-over pile of ice from the bar. Luca staggered through it as they made for the street. For a moment, she herself felt in a tunnel, but as her vision improved with the increased oxygen, she saw they were in an alleyway. They only made it a few steps when Ashika popped out of the fire door. Oh, you cannot be seriously leaving, Ashika cried. They drugged us, panted Lessie. I know, cried Ashika. Who gives out the best fucking drugs like that for free? Exactly, said Lessie, taking her friend by the shoulders. Who? Nobody. The guy that owns his club doesn't just want visitors. He wants devotees.
Shika snorted, waving an arm drunkardly. If that club is what he's on about, I am a fan already. Lessie sighed, rubbing her forehead. She's fucking stonkered. We won't reach her like this. Taking a deep breath, she looked into Ashika's eyes. You're an atheist, right? Absolutely. That guy in there thinks he's a god. Ashika sobered a little in her expression, frowning at Lessie. Really? Man, bummer. He's not doing sacrifices or hurting people or anything, right? I've no idea. I don't think so, said Lessie. Ashika looked back at the club, staring at it for a long, considered moment. I'll still give it four stars on Yelp. Lessie's brows crept up as she looked at Ashika with confusion. What? I only give five if I can remember it in the morning. Wouldn't that be the opposite of a good time, said Luca. What's the point of a good time if you don't remember it, Luca? said Ashika, turning to him. I'm a sensualist, not a junkie. A sharp, loud noise pierced Lucy's consciousness. Lurching around, she saw it was a big empty tin can that had dropped from the dumpster. A cat hissed and ran away, shooting around the corner of the alleyway, and Lucy felt suddenly tense. Scared alley cats were never a good sign. They were tough little fuckers. She looked to Luca. He was alert, his eyes wide. Something was off about him, like he was receding into shadow. Ashika was swearing and digging out her phone, completely ignorant to their surroundings. You know, I don't know if we're going to find a better club than that one. The rest have Dorfies now, too. She stopped and stomped her feet. Fuck, I am so high. Ashika, shut up, breathed Lessie. I'm sorry, what? Did you just tell me to shut up? Fear gripped Lessie's spine. She was still battling the Kaikion, patterns framing her vision. Something was in the shadows of the alley. The black inkiness seemed to shift, writhe. She was unsure if it was the Kaikion or her extra senses. Either way, she was terrified. Dionysus had warned her. Perhaps the endless romp inside was the safer option after all. She looked at Luca again and blinked and blinked. His face looked wrong. His brow was pressing down, his eyes growing round, his hair receding, his mouth pushing forward in a growl. He was shifting, he was eerie, strange, and she backed away from him. As he lowered onto his hands, she couldn't focus on him. He was suddenly a figure of horror, of twisted limbs and patches of hair. He'd slid into the uncanny valley, evoking a rising terror in her chest that was threatening to become a scream. There was another clattering bang in the alley behind her, and whirling about, she saw shadows step forward become form, flashes of hoodies, jeans, t-shirts, sneakers being crudely impersonated by the limited palette of the darkness. One of the shadows rushed her, and from nowhere came a sharp snarling cry that sounded like the angriest overgrown cat she'd ever heard. At that moment, an overly large lynx shot out from over her shoulder, springing towards the shadows, and it carried with it the most absurd, angry scream she'd ever heard. Part of her mind wondered where the ever-loving fucker lynx came from. The deeper, more connected part of herself knew very well where it came from, and it all suddenly made sense. The shadows circled the links, solidifying into human forms wearing black and grey, but their faces hidden in the darkness and movement. The longer they kept their form, the sharper they became. A cold shock struck her nerves and she stepped back with fear. She recognised these creatures. One of them had mugged her that morning. What the fuck, yo? It was a sheikah. She stood mesmerised by the display in front of her. Lessie did not have the mental capacity to either explain or tell her to back away. She staggered towards her friend to push her back towards the club, but before she could reach her, the door to the club burst open, and a slender, disarmingly elegant individual leapt out into the fray. Lessie frowned in incomprehension. 
They looked like one of the dancers from inside, and she couldn't tell if they were a man or a woman. The shadows had backed away from the hacked-off lynx, who had been batting at them ineffectually. It either missed or its blows made no difference, effectively making it look like a domestic cat trying to catch a laser pointer spot. All at once, their attention was on the newcomer. The long-limbed person moved like a tree in a violent wind. From their hands came gusts of energy, shimmering waves that caused reality to ripple. They are protected by Dionysus, roared the newcomer. Be gone! You are not welcome here. One of the shadows stepped forward, an unearthly rattling growl coming from it. It sounded like bones tumbling through dirt on a dry, cold night. It then pointed at Lessie. It lifted its other hand and dangled something at her. It was her medallion. Oi! she shouted, rage exploding in her. You give that back! Laughter. Cold, crunchy laughter. As if a half-rotted coffin had found a cat named the museum. It hissed. Upon seeing her precious medallion, glowing with a white-hot light in the painted vision of the Kaikion, Lessie forgot her fear. She pulled her hands into fists and glared at the shadow. I fucking well will! She stormed at the creature, and for a moment it looked uncertain, almost frightened. But soon it cackled again, opening its arms to grab her. She failed to get any closer, as something had grabbed the collar of her jacket, and her legs were working away in the air, her whole body dangling off foot off the floor. Leave! roared the newcomer at the shadows once more, tightening their grip on Lessie, before you face the wrath of a guard of ages! The shadow inched forward, white, bright, burning eyes and its black stain of a face gleaming as it eyed Lessie hungrily. We find... it rasped. Not today, arsewipe, shouted Lessie. I'll fucking end you! The newcomer glared at the shadow one more time, their hand inching up, its energy intensifying. The shadow gave a final laugh before swooping away, gathering its fellow creatures and slipping into the cracks of the world around them. Suddenly the natural shadows in the alley seemed less intense, less oppressive. The moon started to glow bright as thin clouds drifted away from its face. Lessie was still trying to figure out what exactly had happened when she fell down, her feet not meeting the floor correctly, and her whole self tumbling over into a pile. Her rescuer had let her go. Now, about you. Swearing under her breath, Lessie sat up. The newcomer had turned to talk to the angry, spitting, moaning lynx at the end of the alleyway, as she was peering at it with befuddled glee. <laughs> Who brought the petting zoo? she laughed. Lessie grunted as she pulled herself to her feet, approaching their unnamed saviour. Who are you? she breathed. The newcomer didn't look at her, just lifted a hand to quieten her while approaching the raging feline. Shh, calm yourself, kitty, they said. Their voice had gone from an angry wind to a gentle, warm, tender spring breeze. They extended a hand towards the lynx. It bared its teeth, yowling, pulling its head away, tense paws extended forward, ready to swipe. You know me. We're of the same world, my love. Shh. You are of my lord's mantle. He's a kitty like you. Grand and vicious. I can't help you now. I'm the bow, bending at his command. The words burbled like a stream, were soft like a bird call at day's end. The stranger spoke with a voice of a middle range, neither high or low. It swept at moments, sounding one or the other, strong or gentle, but coming back to a sturdy centre. Come now, they said. Come down.
The lynx growled defiantly one more time, and as a pale, long-fingered hand touched its head, the wildcat rumbled, its eyes closing, its head bowing to the caress. It could only purr but briefly before sinking to the ground. As it did so, it shifted quickly, dark hair springing from its head, limbs lengthening once more, the form becoming wider, more uniform. It was then Lessie realised that Luca was now lying on the floor of the alleyway, stark naked, seemingly unconscious. She was still steeped in the effects of the kaikion, but there was enough alertness from her adrenaline for her to realise she was seeing the fellow she'd been thirsting for, all day, absolutely starkers. With almost painful embarrassment, she lurched about, wrapping her arms around her head and letting out a wail. Oh, shit, I didn't mean to see him naked. She looked back, disbelief gripping her. The stranger was now kneeling in front of Luca, wrapping their long trench coat around his prone, naked form. Straight up, whatever they put in that wine is fucking amazing, said Ashika. This is way better than doing K at Glastonbury. Lessie waved, annoyed at Ashika, before turning to the stranger, her hands up to block her view of Luca's naked form. She could not deal with that right now. Instead, she turned back to the stranger. They stood to their full height. Large blue eyes regarded her, set amongst high cheekbones. They were both feminine and masculine, in a way almost divine. They gave Lessie a brief, warm smile. Well, we nearly balls that one up, eh? Huh? Running at a group of Sluadu like that. Wait, Lessie tried to make sense of the unfamiliar words. A slua what now? The stranger blinked. Sluadu, goodness me, what kind of witch are you, not knowing your very basic kinds of fey folk? A very confused one, said Lessie, kneeling next to Luca. You're talking about fairies, and today I met not one, but two gods. Two. I thought gods stayed in the sky. I didn't know they came down here and got involved. I would have prayed very differently if I knew that was the case. You prayed to gods and they didn't think they'd act on those prayers, they asked doubtfully. Well, yeah. Really? What an odd thing to do. Look, my point is, I have no idea what is and isn't real, okay? She gestured wildly at Luca's prone form. I mean, will he be alright? What the hell happened to him? Nothing untoward, said the stranger. Not... Mercy stood up, choking on her anger and confusion. He turned into an animal! How was that not untoward? The stranger shrugged. It would be like being suspicious of a dog barking, really. She blinked at the stranger once more. Who the hell are you? Oh, that one, yes, my apologies. Got distracted by the mess. They waved about the alleyway before bowing slightly. I am the Laurel. The Laurel? Precisely, smiled the stranger. I was just the Laurel for the longest time. Then the guards came, dancing, drinking, shagging. Lots of fun. After that, the Romans rocked up. Took it to another level. Those guys. They laughed and shook their head. Bonkers. Absolutely bonkers. The things they'd stick in their orifices. The pretty person laughed like an old man. <laughs> Pigeon tits in their faces, carrots up their bombs, and bombs on their dicks. Ashika was barely keeping up with the conversation, but she had caught that. It earned a look of complete disgust from her. Ew. I mean, the pigeon tits. Well, yes. Anyway, went by August then. Our Augusta. The name stuck. Lessie frowned in confusion. Wait, August or Augusta? Both, they replied. But you can go with Augie if you like. Augie, said Lessie, nodding. Right, thank you. Thank you for saving us. 
Like, I don't want to be rude, said Ashika, now on her feet and stepping over to Augie with wobbling feet. But are you a he, she, like, what are your pronouns even? Augie turned and looked at Ashika, as if properly seeing her for the first time. After a moment of peering at her, they spoke. Interesting question. You know that nobody's ever bothered to stop and ask me? They crossed their lanky arms, swaying gently while gazing upwards in thought. I mean, people have always just assumed one way or the other, and something within me would just go along with it and I would disappear. All that was left was their fantasy. A smile drifted off their face like a leaf brushing one's cheek while smelling a rose. Then they took themselves out of their repose, looking directly at Ashika. You may choose. I'm the living spirit of the tree, and I can take on any facade to talk to you. I like both myself, but some of my kind pick one, and some pick the other. They smiled broadly, but matter of fact. So you may pick, my dear girl. Ashika shook her head, shrugged, and waved a hand at Augie. You both? I dig it. <laughs> you do you. You don't have to do anything to please me, babe. I get it. For a moment, Augie's self-assured expression faltered, and they stared at Ashika with something very close to, but not exactly like, surprise. After shaking it off, Augie clapped their hands and turned to Luca, who was beginning to stir. They knelt next to him, putting a hand on his back. There you go. Coming out of it now, are we? Good. What's wrong with him? asked Lassie. Nothing. Everything is exactly as it should be, said Augie. But he's just lying there. You would be too if you'd just done what he did. Augie glanced up at her and, upon seeing her blank expression, continued. You know the Olympics, yes? The runners at the end of their races toppling over in a human mess of sweat and saliva and emotion. Augie pointed at Luca. That's what happened to this poor boy. He stuckered right out after that trick, I tell you. The human body can do some amazing things, but it wasn't made for shifting. Without the blessing of the guards, the effort would kill him. I'm sorry, I have no idea what you're talking about, said Lessie, who was incredibly tired of not knowing what people were talking about. Augie sighed patiently. Forget your not fay with all this, they said, twirling an elegant hand. Tell me what you do know. I figure it'll be quicker than asking you what you don't. Lessie would have looked offended if she wasn't so out of her depth. Frowning, she tried to put together everything she experienced and condense it into something that made sense. Given the continued befuddlement from the Kaikion, it was an effort. Okay, well... <clears throat> she cleared her throat, waving an arm around. I am a witch. Apparently that means I can do some pretty awesome shit. But at this time, I know absolutely nothing about that. Augie nodded. She continued. My aunt and uncle know something about it, but they either refuse to tell me or they can't tell me. It doesn't matter which, because both end up with me being pissed off, okay? I'm pissed off! I acknowledge your rage, said Augie gently. Good! She nodded, stuffing her hands in her jacket pockets, rocking on her feet and gazing around her with the mild interest of a distracted child. Augie snapped their fingers to bring her back. Oh, sorry, there was a... I don't know what it was. It ran that way. How long does this stupid drink last? Um, humans a couple of hours, I'm afraid. Lissy let out a long, wobbly groan. The walls of the alleyway looked like they were breathing. In the absence of weird phenomena, her hallucinations were more apparent. You were saying? said Augie. Oh, yeah, um... I'm a witch, I'm an Aphrodite, she made me feel a bit gay, I had a fight with my folks and left the flat against their will and there's something weird about Luca but I don't know what it is. There was a lynx that might have been him and that nightclub is way too wild for my bones man. She pointed at the temple's back exit with a wobbly arm. Staring at Lessie with wide large pale eyes, Augie let out a long sigh through pursed lips.
You know practically nothing. Lessie nodded and pointed at him. Yup. Perfect. I'm guarding an infant. She frowned. Hi, I never said you had to guard me. You didn't, said Augie, paying attention to Luca once more. They stroked Luca's head tenderly, murmuring to him as he tried to move. Careful there, kitten. You're going to need a minute to get used to yourself again. Slowly, Luca sat up, the long jacket Augie had been wearing pulling in his lap. Lessie fought not to notice the lines of his torso or the dusting of chest hair between his pectoral muscles. She squinted her eyes shut, turned away and stomped her feet to distract herself. Where are my clothes, he said, his voice sounding small. Oh, there, said Augie. I'm afraid the buttons of your shirt are torn right off, but the pants and the shoes should be fine. He groaned. Mm, it happened again, didn't it? Indeed, said Augie. You made quite the splash. Unfortunately, your opponent doesn't fear physical violence much at all. Lessie grit her teeth and turned back to Luca, her concern overwhelming her awkwardness. She knelt down next to Luca and looked at Augie. So what exactly happened to him? He shifted, said Augie matter-of-factly. Luca's eyes squeezed shut as the word shifted left their lips. I'm a werewolf, aren't I, he said, looking utterly miserable. Huh, no, said Augie, humour and delight in their eyes. Nothing so mundane as that. Luca glanced up, hope in his eyes. What? He shifted, said Lessie slowly, understanding once she heard the word werewolf in the proper context. Into a cat. A cat? Right, a lynx, to be precise, said Augie, visibly trying not to chuckle. Running a shaking hand through dark-waved hair, Luca groaned, leaning on a propped arm. What the hell? How, how a cat? Why a cat? I'm not privy to that information, said Augie delicately. Luca sighed, still gazing about the alleyway. I couldn't be a tiger, could I? Or a jaguar? He looked around to Lessie and Augie. Did I at least look cool? Lessie gulped. She remembered fluffy paws, angry yowling, hissing and spitting, claws and teeth. She wouldn't want to be left alone in the alleyway with her wild links, but it wasn't exactly the vision of deadly tooth and claw. You looked angry, said Lessie weakly. Luca groaned. Oh, great. I look ridiculous. Don't underestimate the power of perception, especially if it makes you seem weaker than you are, said Augie. You think your ancestors sought the spirit of the lynx for nothing? No, child. They called on the lynx. They asked the very essence of that creature to possess them, protect them, make them more than they were. You must read up on that creature. You must understand them. And then you'll understand your own new strengths. Lucas' despondency shifted to something lighter. He smiled tiredly. Thanks. I don't even know who you are. How do you know about all this stuff? Augie, it's a long story, and I'll fill you in when we're not sitting in a stinking alleyway surrounded by cat's piss and melting ice. Lessie stood, helping Luca to his feet. She looked at Augie. So, could you explain to me, shifters... It's complicated, said Augie, but to put it simply, many thousands of years ago, humans called upon the deified spirits of the animals they admired and worshipped to possess them, make them stronger. Some wanted it for a ceremony, some wanted it for longer. The longer people transformed, the more they belonged to the great spirits. So these great spirits were of distinct animals, I assume, asked Lissy. Yes, said Augie, the oldest gods and goddesses, almost not gods and goddesses at all, really primal energy so strong and so vital that the natural world drums with their power. 
Augie spread their fingers into a round, cage-like shape and made it shake. Soon the great spirits realised that these people could affect the human world on their behalf. As humans grew more dangerous to the balance of nature, the great spirits used certain humans as agents of control. As they had been saying this, they had been helping Lessie collect Lucas' clothes and give them to him as he dressed. There are rules to this kind of possession, of course. They vary slightly from species to species, but in the end it comes to the same thing. To be a part of the great spirit, you must be invited in. Invitation is a bite. Blood magic must be invoked, the oldest of magics. Then you belong to the spirit that chose you. Of course, these days nature is at heel. These great spirits are weakening, and many sought consolidation with new gods. My lord Dionysus, for instance, looks over all feline shifters. What about wolves and stuff? asked Lessie. Mm, Artemis, for one, said Augie. There's a few for wolves. They're pretty common. But a lynx? They smiled and shook their head. That's a rare one for these parts. Lovely. So glad you improve, said Luca quietly, as he tied the shoelace of his boots. Where's a shaker? Lessie pointed past Luca. Ashika was on the ground, staring around her at things that weren't there, a smile on her face. How much of that on shit did she get? he asked. More than us, probably, said Lessie. I'm kind of glad of it. She's not going to take to the existence of gods very well. She'll be fine, said Augie. The universe shifts itself to what the human mind wants to perceive. It's fluid and confusing, and many things to many people. Clapping long-fingered hands, Augie looked at them all. And where are we all going now, hmm? I gotta get to my folks, said Lessie, shaking her head. I need to apologise for the tantrum before. They were right to keep this all secret. This shit is nuts. Augie nodded, pursing their full lips together. All right, and these two? I'll come with if it's okay, said Luca. I don't have anywhere to be right now. Lessie nodded, then frowned briefly, looking to Ashika. She's in no state to be left alone, said Lessie. She can sleep in my flat. Splendid. I'll come too, said Augie. Lissy's eyes bulged open, and she pulled her head back in surprise. You're coming too? Absolutely. But I didn't invite you, she said. Augie shrugged, walking over to Ashika and pulling her up from the ground. Ashika gazed at Augie, a slow smile crawling across her face. Her hand grazed their cheek, her numerous tinted metal bangles jingling as she did so. <laughs> You're pretty. Thank you, said Augie brightly. Lissy sighed to herself, looking down the alleyway. This has been, without a doubt, the weirdest fucking day of my life. Ugh, it won't be the last, said Augie, walking past her with a sheikah gathered in their long arms. Lessie watched the strange new friend they'd made slip past her and down the alleyway. She had a feeling deep in her soul that Augie was not to be feared and that Augie wasn't here of their own accord. In a day full of strange and terrifying new things, she took strange and comforting as a gift and held onto it. Given the portents and warnings of the powerful new beings she'd met, she knew that normal days were now a distant memory for her and that her future was going to be both wild, magical and a little bit dangerous. Trying to walk home with someone heavily drugged and a recovering werelinx was not something Lessie really enjoyed, nor ever anticipated. It had been tough going, supporting Luca at first, as he was six foot to her five foot six, and much of him was dense muscle. Thankfully, the more he moved, the better he felt, and by a few hundred metres he was mostly recovered. Ashika, however, was still in a princess hold in Augie's arms, murmuring nonsense and giggling on and off. She's not too heavy, is she? asked Lessie, not looking over her shoulder at Augie behind her. No, said Augie. She's but a slip. Ashika lifted her head from Augie's shoulder, eyes blazing. Oi! 
Did you just call me a slut? Augie looked up into the heavens, sighing evenly. Slip. Oh, that's all right then. Lessie sighed too, her anxiety blowing out her usual bad temper. Her gut feelings were flying thick and fast since meeting Aphrodite. Intuitive hunches that would drift in and out of her life occasionally had become deep currents that lurched this way and that, leaving her feeling unmoored. One message had pulled at her and had remained persistent despite all that was going on around her. Something was very wrong and she was heading towards the pointy end of the bad times ahead. Um, Les, did your mum make something good for dinner tonight? asked Ashika. She barely heard Ashika's voice as they turned the last corner before going down the small road where the bookshop was located. With every step, a feeling of impending doom grew and grew. You okay? asked Luca. She turned to look at him. You're asking me, she said, a hint of humour to her voice. I'm not the one that turned into a cat. Well, at least I know what I am now, he said. You've taken it pretty well. Taken what well? The lynx thing, he said. Dude, after the day I've had, I've reached my limit. I've got weirdness fatigue. I'm just accepting everything at this stage. She pursed her lips, then looked at him. But even if I hadn't been having this weird day, I think I'd find a way to deal with the revelation that you literally moonlight as a feline. He nodded with a little smile. <laughs> Good to know. You avoided my question, though. Are you okay? She narrowed her eyes as they approached the bookshop in the darkness. I don't know. Something doesn't feel right. I feel like I've crossed a threshold and I can't go back. Is that so bad? She glanced up at the looming bookstore, pale and wan in the moonlight. Her gut lurched, not with anxiety, but with knowledge. She just knew things were all wrong. She had feelings in times past before bad situations that were very close to knowing, but now her spirit and mind screamed with certainty, and she had no doubt. Things were simple before. Her heart tremored as she realized that simplicity had been an illusion, lost to time. She shook her head at Luca and shrugged. I have no idea. Augie had walked ahead, no doubt due to their long legs taking them further, and upon seeing the bookshop, they glanced to Lessie. Is this it? asked Augie. My lord said you lived in a bookshop. I live above it, but that's the one, she said. She dug the keys out of her bag and walked up to the door to the side of the storefront. Her heart dropped to depths unknown when the door creaked and swung in as she pushed her key to the lock. The frame was split. Oh, fuck. Next time on Witchery. Coming home from her night out, Lessie discovers that her guardian's flat has been broken into. The door to the apartment was wide open. The contents of the place were strewn in the hallway. She barely breathed as she burst into the living room, her gaze sliding over the absolute destruction of a previously neat, if dated, looking apartment. Addy! Norbert! She didn't stop. Her heart beat faster as she raced from room to room. All gone, all broken, all destroyed. Books were torn, furniture overturned. The kitchen was a mountain of broken crockery, bent cutlery, and the water faucet dribbled, the sink overflowing slowly but surely. At each door she hoped she would see her only family, alive and well, but her deeper self knew it was for naught. Their final room, the bedroom, she left till last. Everything in her was tight as a knot as she turned the corner of a walkway to peek inside. The door was off its hinges. The bed was ripped, the mattress thrown aside, bed frames splintered and broken, wardrobes were open, clothes strewn, the room was empty. 
Norbert and Adelaide were not here. And their new friend Augie guides them forward to safety. For tonight, Lupus Place will do. Tomorrow, we must keep moving. Ashika blinked, somewhat slowly, as she was still quite high. Wait, when did we become the Fellowship of the Ring here? Since your friend has been discovered by dark forces and must hide to protect herself, said Augie. Ashika snorted with some scepticism. Sure, babe, whatever. Stay on your own if you like, said Augie lightly. See how long it takes for the Suluadu to find you. I'd rather they didn't, as it might use you as leverage to gain access to Lessie. All that and more on the next episode of Witchery. Click follow or subscribe to get the next episode as soon as it drops. You have been listening to Witchery, written by Andrea K. Knight, produced and edited by Nancy Lorenz, music composed and performed by Nancy Lorenz. Special thanks to Daniel. Thanks for listening. Hi, Nancy here, narrator of Witchery the Podcast. If you have any questions or messages that you'd like to send to us, write to us at thewitcherypodcastau, or one word, at gmail.com. Our social links are also in the show notes. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, TikTok, and Discord. I hope you write to us, because we'd love to hear from you. If you like, your question can be answered in our post-episode breakdowns, Witchery Supplemental. Thanks for listening.